This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in the industry and we take you to the front lines to those that are driving those changes. As always, my name is Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, as well as the CEO of Colmarch, which I'm pretty sure that most folks know that listen to the podcast. And with me, as always, and, and Dan, I'm running out of, of ways to describe how awesome and smart and buff and I don't know, we could just keep good looking. I mean, just we just keep going. But I've ran out of adjectives and adverbs. And so would you like to say hello this morning and introduce our topic? It's two, and uh, I don't think you're running out of it. Uh different ways i think you use the same one each time so uh you know listen anytime you get a compliment you'll take it so uh, you'll take it so much yes (laughs) so anyway uh, you know the last uh, several uh, episodes we've been talking about how to improve your business and and kind of from the trenches of where you were at triangle and you know obviously i owned a company a long time ago and i work with hundreds of companies and i hear the the chatter all the time and whatnot and so uh, i think the last couple of episodes were really uh, uh, interesting and telling but here's a question that we get all the time uh, and it's um how do you know when it's time to hire that first manager or a new manager and um there's a bunch of different ways operationally, financially, um, you know, uh, how your, um, you know, the, 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 your, your, your ability to just, you know, handle stress and whatnot. Um, so um, with that, I think um, let's uh, let's talk about when do you need a new manager? So let's before we do that, let's let's do one important disclaimer. And you kind of you, you started down this road, but I just want to make sure it's super clear. So for our listeners. Dan mentioned this in one of our previous episodes. We have folks who are, you know, chucking a truck. There's one or two man operations up to, like Dan said before, you know, in some case over $100 million companies that listen to the podcast. And so, you know, we're going to, I would try to split it out and and talk a little bit about, you know, like Dan talked about the the first manager and, and how do you go about making that decision. And, you know, obviously I don't run a $100 million company, but I will say that, you know, we're, we're, we're in the millions. And, you know, when do you need to be looking at it's time to make a strategic hire on your executive team? And so we'll try to cover both. If you're, you know, wherever you fall out in that continuum, we'll try to make sure that everyone gets a little bit out of this. Um, But I think we need to, you know, Dan, you made a good point or you're making a good point here to start us off with. And really, it's like, how do you make money in this industry? And do you want to just talk through that just for a moment? So there's there's two ways to make money in the industry stay small or get big like we have you know two-man operations where the owner is earning well into six digits right because that owner uh, might have one other technician he or she does the uh, runs a route does the bookkeeping does the marketing make sure that the fleet is in good shape does the chemical ordering really works hard but is handsomely rewarded for that and it's kind of interesting because, um, you know, it all depends on, you know, what your personality type is. If you don't like to manage people and whatnot, that's a good way to do it. So this this industry offers, a, you know, a great way to make a living at all different levels. 
the next way to get uh, big or to, to, to get rich in this industry or, or make a great living is to get big, right? And usually when I say get big, that's over, mm, I don't know, million and a half, $2 million. But in between small and big, you have this uh, gray area. And that's where you need to, to, to uh, you know, bring in professional management, proceduralize your management, all the things that we talk about. And you usually take a step back, right? So that guy, that two-man operation that I talked about uh, 30 seconds ago, that guy's probably making more money than the guy who runs a million-dollar operation. Um, that is so... Hang on. All right. So quick story, and I'm not going to name names, um, but Dan, you know who I'm getting ready to talk about here. Um, years ago, I had a buddy of mine who ran a little $2.5 million company. I think eventually he got it up to like a little over three, putting $750,000 in his back pocket every year. Just killing it. You know, when you look at what he made in 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 his back pocket versus what he did in revenue and you know and he made a he made a choice right he didn't want to he didn't really want to grow it much more than that i mean he you know he grew the business but it was five percent you know it was two percent it was and what you said earlier yeah get big or stay small well stay small you're going to make a lot of money once you get large and you pull the throttle back you're going to make quite a bit of money and you'll make some money on the exit but while you're growing you, you need to understand that you know this business of making money, it's it's okay, you can put it in your back pocket, but it's taken away from your growth. And so there's always that balance. And you know, this is something I think every owner fights, right? Because there's you want to grow, but you also need to live. And I'm not talking about paying your bills, I'm talking about going out and taking nice vacations and doing something with the money and doing something with the cash. And so just being intentional and knowing your goal of of you know what what you're looking to get out of your business, um, I think is very, very important. So so anyway, something really, really important, right? So just consider this. If your goal is to be that small guy making a bunch of money, just remember one of the things that I always talk about is the income circle and the wealth circle, right? The income circle is what you make at each, you know, your paycheck to, you know, pay the bills and go on vacation and whatnot. Your wealth circle is your retirement. So you work for a big company, you got a big pension, a 401k, whatever. You own a, a company and your pension, quote unquote, is the value of your company. And just consider this. I have a client who I am trying to market right now, we're, we're trying to sell him. He does about $500,000 in revenue, mm. small company, right? He probably takes about 230 of that. So he's making you know, well over $230,000. Yeah. And he's saying, okay, well, I wanna retire, so I wanna sell the company. And when I tell him, geez, maybe a million bucks, maybe a little over a million, but not much more. Because at the end of the day, if I am Rent-A-Kill, Orkin, Terminex, whatever, all I got to do is hire one Cracker Jack salesman or two average salesmen, and it's a whole lot cheaper to build it than to buy your business. And this guy's in his 70s, so he can't turn the clock back and say, geez, I made a mistake or whatever. So he's got to take what he gets 
And yes, he made a great living throughout his career, but now that it's time to, time to retire, there's no huge pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And it's always easy, you know, you when you when you're used to making one level of income to just take it, you know, cut it in half. I mean, everyone loves that feeling, right? Because <laughs> because yeah, the fact well, is, you you exit at a million and you're making 250 a year. That's four years. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And, and that's that's the other thing, right? So then you say, well, I'll just keep it. If if I'm going to exit at a million, it, it, it's four years, and then I have the company after four years. And that's cool when you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, maybe even your 60s but you're going to run out of four-year time packets right mm -hmm. and so you mm -hmm. got to figure that out so and and maybe you have other things going on in your life you got really like a lot of our clients have tons of real estate investments and things like that and and that's all good but just consider that uh when you think about the long term and you also think about the lifestyle because this guy he was you know having a great time while everybody else was stressing about everything that we talk about all week he just runs yeah. his route and makes you know does this thing thousand dollars a year and so yeah. not a bad uh not a bad way to roll no no doubt well you know and as we get into this topic of when when is it time to hire a manager or or make a key hire if you have a leadership team you know i think in general you know there's always going to be this I, I guess I guess you could call it pressure, um, you know, this this thing where people are nervous about making this hire because they're like, well, I don't think I can afford this person, you know, and so there's this natural tension of do I keep going and, you know, and I'm, I'm really growing and I need the cash and can I afford this person? Can we go a little bit longer? So there's a natural tension between making money and making this hire. And you said it before, which is, you know, most of the time when you're growing a business and, you, and you're building a leadership team or you're hiring a manager or whatever, you have to have this mindset that you are going to take a step back to take a step forward. Like you have to just like realize that, you know, hiring a manager, putting someone on your leadership team, it's like an investment. You're going to make the upfront, you're going to make the upfront investment, you know, and then over time, it'll pay you back. But you've got to be willing to take that hit in profit and you need to be in a position where you can't afford to do that. And sometimes that may mean, I mean, I remember early on at Triangle, it was a, you know, when I hired like a leader or whatever, it, it hit me personally. Like I couldn't take as, you know, I couldn't take as much as far as a paycheck out. And, you know, over time, you know, you get to where it, that it doesn't have that big of an effect. It just hits the profit line or whatever. But, you know, that, that natural tension is there. And I think as, you know, a mindset as, as an owner or leader or whatever is that, you know, I understand that this is this is going to be an investment and I have to make sure that um, that I'm willing to take the hit to, to do this. And we'll get into how to track it and get into the numbers and all that kind of good stuff. But I would just say in general, um, you know, the reality of it is, is that and, and I think this is a good philosophy when it comes to leadership. I think it's a good philosophy when it comes to frontline is in general, you should be one there where you hire less and pay more. It just makes life super, super easy. When I was in the military years ago, I used to say, and, and this, I don't know if I should say this on the podcast, but whatever, we're gonna say it, is like, sometimes I get so frustrated at the government, they, they, they would never pay someone $150,000, but they would definitely pay five people, or I'm sorry, three people, $50,000. It would drive me mad. And buy a, and buy a toilet seat for 10,000. That's exactly right. It would just drive me crazy. Like they just thought that, well, if they kept wages low, 
to get more people then they could solve it. And I mean, this is just government in general, but you don't want to be that way, right? You want to be someone who pays more and hires less. And the reality of it is, you know, I always talk about one equals three. One really good person can equal three mediocre normal people. And so I just think in general, your mindset needs to be when it comes to hiring, both on the front line and when we're talking about leadership, is make a really, really good hire and pay for them. Then obviously they need and, to deserve swallow it. Your e- swallow your ego at, at first, because that guy may be making more money than you are, you know, and mm-hmm. you can't always say, well, geez, he, he, I, I have a kind of a funny story um, and, and it, it really worked out. Um, and, and you may disagree me, with me on this, but he was an open book. He opened management. He wanted to show everything, everybody, everything. And he was doing a couple million dollars, and I think he was making about $75,000 a year. And he had some managers and some, so everybody was, you know, making uh, decent money. Nobody was, you know, outstripping uh, or outpacing anybody else. And he kept those books open and whatnot. But at the end of the day, uh, what happened is like, um, you know, um, like probably 10 years later, he built that into a 10, actually a little over $10 million company. And he was taking about a million and a half dollars out and he kept the books open. I know that open book management is a philosophy. It's not one that I subscribe to unless (laughs) unless the reader is educated in accounting and finance. Right. And ladies and gentlemen, Uh, this is where Dan and I start diverging. Yes. So keep going. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) We we definitely disagree on this. I don't (laughs) think that the technician needs to know that you're making a million dollars a year. It's, it's the whole, you know, the big executives, they're making hundreds of millions of dollars and, you know, Amazon's only paying $30 an hour and, you know, you got the guy making a hundred million dollars, but that's where you're going. Right. That right. What I like to show people are gross margins. I like to show them pieces of the P&L. If I want to show them the entire P&L, they better go through a finance and accounting program so they really understand it. You know, actually, I said that. We don't disagree. I don't think we're too far off the map on this together. I, one thing I will say, disagree I, with me on that. So I, I, I don't I, think I'm not as secretive as you are, but I 100 percent agree with what you just said. I, I Years ago. This was back when we were like two million. I had this technician that worked for me. <laughs> and, and by the way, this guy was paying child support to three different ladies, and I mean it was just good stuff. And so we're, we're and he comes to me. What kind of good yeah, stuff is that? This is good stuff. And then he comes to me one day and he goes, Donnie. I'm like, yeah. He goes, I need a raise. I'm like, why do you need a raise? He goes, well, I can't pay my child support. <laughs> I was like, less okay. girlfriends is what yeah. you need. Yeah. And, uh, and anyway, so we got through this and, and essentially like, I'm not giving this guy a raise. I mean, I, and, and I'm not going to say what I said at the time because I was a little bit more loose with my lips, but it wasn't, it wasn't good. So, so we get to the end of the conversation because man, he's like, I'm just asking for, you know, 10,000 more dollars. You know, you're making $2 million a year and we were doing 2.1 in revenue. And in his mind, all 2.1 million was going in my back pocket. Oh man, I tell you, he's like, you and I was thinking to myself, man, I'm, I'm not making hardly any money at all. But anyway, it just, so you're 100% correct. You know, you do need, by the to way, I, the secretive that the word secretive that you use, that's not what it, it, it's about. I'm not about secretive. I'm actually more about not rubbing in people's faces, what I'm doing. If they're, 
you know that, that and that's well, important it, you know what what was real interesting is you know um long time ago you know i had my company and i, I sold it to ed bradbury ed, ed uh, ran uh, viking and um ed was doing very very well but he didn't drive a fancy car to work he right. he wore a viking shirt every day he you know he was one of the guys he could have driven a lamborghini if he wanted he could have well, showed up fancy italian loafers and everything right. but he to, just to be fair but yeah. to be fair here open book management one of the underlying assumptions and this is the part that many people miss when they talk about this and by the way i am a fan of open book management i think it's one of the ways that you can get everyone on the same page and everyone paddling in the same direction to your point dan i don't think everyone needs to know every little thing but you know if you do it right most people can piece it together but the big, the big underlying assumption of open book management is that you train your people that they understand what the numbers mean. And, you know, that's, that's fundamental. And every time, I mean, you know, we talked about Jack Stack's book, the great, great game of business. And, you know, he spends a whole chapter on like, you need to train people on this is how PL works. This is, you know, and, and however you, like you said, gross margin, it's a lot of times people are like, yeah, we're all open book. And then they don't fully understand the numbers. So then they don't train people. And then it just turns into a crap show, right? Because everyone's like, every it's their own interpretation. So anyway, so I have a question for you, Dan. Sir. Did you ever, did you ever watch, did you ever watch, was it Jay Leno or David Letterman? I think it was David Letterman who used to do the top 10. Who was that? Actually, Johnny Carson started it with, uh, what was it? Oh, now you're really showing your age. I, I bet, I bet you there's people head. listening right now who don't even know who Johnny Carson is that's listening right now. Oh, come on. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. so uh, the top 10. Let's go. Yeah, so I thought we would have some fun here, and we would do a, a, a top 10 of when do, you, when do you need a hire manager? When do you need to put a new executive on your team as an owner, as a, you know, a leader or whatever? And let's start with number 10. So number 10 for me is when it what is a good sign that it's time to to bring someone in and i would say this is the one that gets me nervous is when growth slows so very Dan, uncomfortable when growth slows why is that a sign that you need or should be thinking about hiring either a manager if you're if you're smaller or putting someone else on the team if you're larger so either you're stretched too thin or you're uh, the Peter principle, you've reached the top and you can't take it any further. So yeah. the next guy needs to, to, to come in and help. And, you know, and I think the key part out of this number 10, you know, when, when growth slows, that's a sign that's telling you, you are not able to stay in front of whatever it is that you're trying to grow. So either you don't have the capability, you don't have the time, you don't have the focus. I mean, it could be a number of things, Right. But it, and we don't know what that is. And that's obviously up to you to, to figure out what the problem is. But the slowing of growth is a symptom. Right. It's telling you something. It's an indicator. So that's number 10. Dan, number nine. Number nine. When you cannot keep track of what everyone is doing. This is a huge one. Right. This is when you know for sure that you do need to bring in someone else to because we all know the number one expense on your PL is your payroll. And the way that you make money in this business is you manage that payroll extremely well. You keep it highly productive. If you can't keep track of what everyone is doing, and I'm not just talking about like you're looking at payroll reports and those types of things. If you don't have scorecards, 
and you're not able to keep up with the scorecards, you're not able to get the data because you don't have time or whatever, whatever, you know, whatever it is. But, but for whatever reason, if you can't tightly manage your payroll, huge, huge sign, you need a manager. And everyone thinks, oh, I got this down. And then I start probing. So how much, how many minutes does, how many minutes do your CSRs average on the phone? Well, I don't know. <laughs> what's, what's your closing rate in your office? Um, well, we have a global closing rate. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you start, start digging, you realize like, hey, and the fact is, is that there's nothing wrong with as a leader, you having weaknesses and not knowing how to do something. Right. That's not really your so job here, is to know how to. Here's an interesting one. We used to have a debate a uh, long time ago about whether you have supervisors or not. Right. So let's say you're going to pay a supervisor sixty thousand dollars and that supervisor can work with, mm. say, 10 technicians. Right. Well, you've just added six thousand dollars to each route in terms of cost. And then you say, well, you know, maybe you just let them, you know, uh, run road. <laughs> without a supervisor or, you know, you, your guys are good. So you just let them do it. So do I really need a supervisor? Um, you know, the, the question gets even more intense when you only have five technicians and you say, do I need a supervisor? Can I afford the $60,000 or whatever salary on top of the technician labor? And then am I still profitable? And, um, you know, that, that becomes a question. So what, what's your thinking. I, I mean, I know what you do at Triangle. You do have supervisors, but um, when did you determine that that, that was a good idea? Well, I, it, for me, you know, early on, I always had this mindset. I was trying to work myself out of a job. And so, you know, as I, as I was going, I, I never had time to work on the business, especially early on. So I, mean, I think I've talked about this before. I made two hours every morning. I would say, okay, from from seven until nine, unless someone is on fire, and there's no one else that can put that person out in the company. Do not knock on my door. Do not call me. Do not text me. And I would shut off my phone. And I would, you know, I was at the time I was using e-myth. I mean, now you can use traction e-myth. It doesn't really matter. Um, but I would spend those two hours. I called them my golden hours. And I would spend that time on, you know, making sure that I was writing processes, checklists, those types of things. And then we'd have a technician drop. And guess where Donnie would go? Right out into the field, right? <laughs> we'd we'd have something. And, yeah, and so and so in, I, for me, you know, early on, the the real indicator for me is that when I had no time to spend on the business, like working on the business, that was a big red flag, you know, because no one else is going to drive the boat. No one else is paid to drive the boat. That's kind of your role. And so, you know, when you're not doing that, well, then who's driving, right? Cause it's certainly not anyone else. And so, and if it's not you, then who knows where you're going? So for me, I would just say, all right, I'm going to figure out the money, but you know, it, it, if I'm at a place where I can't think and I can't like drive um, and I can't work on my business, then now it's time. So, all right. And this is kind of in line with what we said. So number three, or I should say, are we going down 10 to one? Or are we going up? I, I would say I we're going know. down. You put, you put this list together, so you tell me. All right, we're going to start. We'll call it number, I'm, I'm just, we'll call this number seven. All right. So we had, no, it's not even, I'm not even, I'm even doing the math. Right. I don't even know what I'm doing right now. All right, number eight. <laughs> All right, number eight is when you, when you or your executives are doing admin tasks. This is a big one too. Like you ever have like a meeting 
and you just stop for a moment and you calculate how much the meeting is actually costing you. You ever done that? Never. No. Yeah. It's too yeah. impressive. <laughs> you know, no way. Or you, or you look at something that someone's doing and you're like, why are you doing that? Like, you know, when you think about when you hire a manager, you're not hiring them to get crap done. You're hiring them to organize and to think and to run your systems. And if they're spending their time on doing the frontline work, that's time that you're basically double paying for. Because, you know, you could, I shouldn't say a manager makes double of what a frontline person makes. But the fact is, is that, you know, most managers and most leaders, they're not going to be cheap. So you need to think through like, well, how do I leverage their payroll as much as I possibly can? And if you've got them doing like an office checklist, you've got them doing something out in the field or, you know, they're covering for a technician. That happens from time to time. But if it's happening more times than not, then you need to make sure that that's, you know, that's a good sign for you that you need to have. It's time. It's time to hire. So. All right. Number seven. Dan, want to talk about this one? Number seven. When you see duplication. So this is one where I think it's easy to do. Like, for example, um, you see this in the office a lot when, you know, in the office, when there's a lot of things happening, a lot of things moving and you see people kind of doing um, the same job, it, but multiple people are doing it or they're doing it multiple times. And, you know, an example of this could be multiple ways or multiple ways. I see. Yeah. That a lot, right? Yeah. That's a sign to you that you need an office manager to step back, to organize and to delegate and to like, you know, in, in our case, we have specialists, right? We have folks that we got, you know, one or two people that only do routing, right? We have one or two people that only do collections. Um, when you see duplication, that's a good sign that it's time to bring in a manager. And I mean, we could get into several, several examples, but I don't want to, I don't want to spend too many times on these kind of nosebleed sections of when it's time to hire a manager, because I think the ones that we got towards three through one are going to be the, the most important. But, but the fact is, if you see duplication, great sign. Number, oh gosh, that was some number six. Okay. When you spend more time, time fixing than creating. One of the things I think as an owner and as a leader is that you've got to free yourself from the business so that you can think, um, and, and I'll talk more about this a little bit later on, but I know that you guys never have any of these issues. Dan, I'm sure I'm, I'm positive in your business, you never have this, but you know, on the phone, something happened, it went wrong. Now you gotta fix it, whether it be, and so when I say spend more time fixing, I'm talking about with customers, talking about with employees, um, I'm talking about with systems or whatever, like when you're spending almost all your time fixing, that's a problem because what are you not doing? creating or working on business and that's that's, right. that's what your role is and and occasionally you can step into the business and so when you say we don't have the problem we have problems but um my uh there's a saying around my office is that i am the goalie and everybody's job is to block the net i do not get any pop shots unless it's really really bad and um there's very few times that i that that, that 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 happens so well i will say this it it does happen right and it doesn't i don't think it matters the size if you are a owner and there's not like a board sitting behind you the buck stops with you and every now and then someone's gonna you know something's gonna happen and they're gonna want to talk to the owner and and, and you know it, it's not to say that you don't ever do this it's when you're spending most of your time doing that um 
because I think the other part that this is a sign of is that you may not have the best front line. Uh, the front line will make or break you. Not to say things don't happen, you know, but, but you know, when you're spending a lot of your time fixing, that means it's time to have a manager in there to do the firefighting so that you're not doing it. All right. Number five. Dan, you want to take number five? When you or your team are consistently making more mistakes, more than what? So I think, you know, in this case, when we talk about making more mistakes, it's when the basics are not happening, meaning that, you know, you start seeing things fall. Off. And by the way, this happened recently at Triangle. You know, I, I walked outdoors one day and I just happened to start looking at the trucks and I start looking at the expiration dates on the registrations. And we had like five trucks that were overdue. And I'm like, whoa, what happened here? You know? And sure enough, it was something that was on a checklist. It got dropped and it was a sign that, hey, we, we need to get, you know, and, and again, it that's one of the, I mean, it's a small thing, but it's, a, you know, but it's one of those things where like, it is a mistake. And if you start seeing more and more of those like little bitty things, it's usually a sign that whoever's the leader is either overwhelmed or they're not quite getting it. You know what I mean? And that you need, they need some help. And that could be you, right? Meaning, and usually a, a function that is, is that they're out of time, right? They're busy, they're overwhelmed, and they're not looking at, you know, things are, are you know, like quality, right? I mean, it's just, what's happening is, is that things are dropping because they're not able to focus on the basics. And so whenever you see something like that, when you start seeing more mistakes get happening, whether it be you or someone on your team, that's a really good sign that it's time to bring someone in. All right. This one is a good one. Get back to humble pie. Um, this one is number four. When you know you need someone who can do it better. <laughs> what I mean is by person, that is. Does that person exist in triangle land? Oh, yes. There's tons of them. Trust me. But it's like, you know, when, you know, I, I, I remember when I first got in business in, I don't know, Dan, maybe I should slip you a 50 or you should slip me a 50 after this. Um, I knew nothing about accounting, knew nothing about bookkeeping. I didn't even know what the words P&L meant. I had heard it and I had no clue what even it meant. And I mean, and I'm not joking when I say that. When I first got in business, I had zero clue. I had taken an accounting class in college, which is kind of funny. I didn't do very well in it, but I took it, right? And so, you know, the fact is, as an owner, you know, you want to know a little bit about everything. You want to surround yourself with people who are way better at whatever they do than you are. And so there's nothing wrong with, you know, thinking about things that you're not very good at, whether it be marketing, whether it be selling, whether it be accounting, whatever needs to happen, even finance in the business and be real with yourself and say, you know what, this is something I'm not very good at. I need to make sure that I get someone in here who is good at it. Because again, your role is just to build the team, not necessarily be the expert. And if you can't overcome your ego and you can't handle the fact that someone might be better at something than you, I don't think you're going to ever go very far in business. And so that's a clear sign, you know, number four. So like, I'm not very good at something. I can be real with myself and say that I need to find someone who can cover that gap. So thoughts on that, Dan? Bring up, can I bring up a, uh, you may or may not remember this. I, I don't know how long we've been friends, but uh, you sought us out 15 years ago, probably. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember looking at your balance sheet. And I think you had two trucks or two truck loads. <laughs> we did start and, with two trucks, yes. Yeah. And you, you know, I was 
telling you the debt on the trucks are fine. And you with your conservative money ideas were like, there's no way that I need to have debt. And rather than taking the money and you know, building your operation and everything, you wanted to pay down that debt. And we had a couple mm-hmm. of arguments over it. And I was like, oh, I don't know if this guy's going to make it. But um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but uh, that, that uh, I remember that. It's still the same today. I am not a fan of debt. And if you spend any time with me now, I, I do leverage debt. That's not to say that I don't have debt in the business because I do, but it's only on trucks. And and you're right. And, and between you, Dan and Dave Boos, you guys finally got me out of that mindset of, you know, because again, I'm thinking about personal finance. I was just applying it to my business, which, you know, personally, I don't like debt at all. Uh, I don't think it's good. And, you know, at the time it was, I was certainly a Dave Ramsey disciple. And um, and I was just like, no debt, you know, but but it is very difficult to do that in our business. Um, oh, you can do it when you're staying small. The guy who's making the 230000 that we were talking about at the outset, that guy has no debt. He owns all his trucks. He owns everything. He doesn't owe anybody a dime. A bill comes into his office. He pays it that day, you know. Yep. Yep. And that and the buddy that I was telling you about, the the the, the client that, you know, and the client that it was, he was a client of both Comarch and PCO, he's since exited the industry um he was the same way he owned all of his trucks had zero debt had a boatload i'm talking millions in the bank and was making bank every single year you know and and again there's nothing wrong with that um but you know again if you're going to get big it takes a lot of cash and you got to be willing to got to be willing to do that so number three now i think we're starting to get into and we've kind of talked about a lot of these but we're going to get a little bit more in depth is number three is is when you have lived the same day for a few months now that sounds kind of strange but let me just explain something as an owner of course or or you know leader whatever ceo of course you are going to have standing meetings you know you're going to be driving the boat so to speak but your days should not be repetitive in terms of what you're doing I get some of my best ideas when I'm out of the office, when I'm at a conference, when I'm really outside of the business itself. And I'm not telling you that you need to go on a sabbatical and you're going to come back enlightened and and all of a sudden, you know, everyone's going to come in and just be in all of of all the thoughts and ideas that you have. All I'm saying is, is that if you're coming in every day and you're doing the same thing, I just don't know how. Um, you, you, and, and let's say because you have to, right? Because you're doing things in the business where, you know, repetitive tasks, because you're kind of chained to the business, like you, you physically can't get out. That's a really good sign that it's time to bring someone in to free you up to, I, I hate to say this, I don't know how to, how else to explain it, but you need to go out and live and you need to get around other people and you need to get around different situations because a lot of good business ideas just don't come you know, when you're clearing transactions in QuickBooks, sorry, but they just don't. <laughs> so, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And and let me just kind of get a little off topic on this, but, um, but but you'll see where I'm going. So you said when when you go to trade shows, when you go to peer groups, when you go to all these different things, just remember, if you go by yourself to these things and you come back and you're all excited about everything, and the other people in your organization weren't in the same seminar or whatever, and they're just trying to get their job done. And you're like, no, we got to do this and this and this. And this. so 
as you get more successful, send your people for training, send them to those seminars so they can come back excited. Because right. when you come back excited and nobody else is excited, <laughs> they all. Well, it, you know, to them, it's just more work, right? Hey, they, uh, yeah, here he comes. He's been, he's been in a seminar. Oh, gosh, here we go. It's going to be several weeks of late nights again, and you're going to be doing it. You know, you're right, 100%. So, I, but the main thing is, is that, you know, when you're not free from the business to go out and do things like that, um, that's a really good sign. It's time to bring in a manager, really just so you can be in front of the business. Because, I mean, truly, as an owner, you need to be at a minimum two years out, ideally five years out from where you're at today. And and that's where you need to live. Um, so, all right. Number two, this is a big one, and we kind of talked about this before, but I think it's really important, is that you should always have your eyes and ears open and you should be validating the basics in your business. And when you start seeing those things fall off, that's a really good sign that it's time to bring in some help. I have a quick story. Um, and, and this is it, it, it is a leadership story. Um, and we did end up making some changes as a result of this. But many, many years ago, you know, we have this book. We I, I still have people read it when they come in. It's called Super Service. Um, and all it is, it just walks people through you know, providing fantastic service to every customer that comes in. The book is actually written for folks who work in the office, but I had everyone read it because it was one of those things where it talks about how you, you know, really, I mean, again, we, we've talked about this before. Everyone thinks they have great service. This book walks people through and just gets them in the mindset of a customer service mentality. So we've read this book. We do tests on it. I've talked about it. We do customer service meetings every week, yada, yada, yada. We're all in it. And one of my technicians is out and he he breaks a light bulb over a guy's garage. And when he gets done, he goes and tells the customer, hey, I broke your light bulb. And the guy's like, that's fine. Well, it wasn't fine. Later on, the guy goes online and just lights us up that we did not um, that we did not fix the light bulb because Basically, the technician, apparently the way the conversation went down was the technician was kind of like leading him to like, yeah, I don't really have a ladder. I broke your light and sorry. And that is completely different than, I mean, you know, one of our core values is ownership, right? You break something. We, we, yeah, I don't have ladders at Triangle for obvious reasons, right? I know folks use them, and but, you know, I just have decided I don't want to deal with OSHA. I don't want to deal with a and so this technician basically said, look, I broke your light. If you need me, need us to pay for it, we will. And that was that. And it was not OK. So this guy goes online. He lights us up. And I start digging into this scenario as an owner. And there were so many things that we missed. Right. Number, and the very the, the very largest one was that that shouldn't even been a that shouldn't even been a conversation with a customer. We should have owned it and fixed the light without even him. Like, look, this is I fixed your light. And, hey, I broke your light. we got someone coming over. We're going to get your light all squared away. That's owning it. And I got really pissed off and started. And then I, and it was a few other things that I noticed too that broke down. And so what I did was, number one is I restructured how we were handling customer complaints, but I also restructured our training and I hired someone. Uh, we, needed, we needed more leadership for the technicians. And I made everyone in the entire company reread the book. <laughs> it was like, I was, and I'm not telling you that you need to do that, but I mean, it was one of those times when we did not act in accordance with our core values and it was not only the technician it went all the way through my leadership team and everyone was okay with it and i wasn't okay with it and so 
you know, the, the, the moral of that story is that when you start seeing the little things change, you know, it don't ever go crazy on people over little things. That's not a good strategy. You won't be able to keep anyone around you if you do that. But you absolutely need to pay attention that, hey, these are symptoms. And if you start seeing that happening a lot, that's feedback that, hey, we, we need to get some more management. We need to get some we need to get some help in here because something is not being something is not making it to the pond, so to speak. So. Thoughts on that, Dan? Um, what if the guy didn't light you up and do the review? Would would it have garnered the same reaction? It would not have because I wouldn't have known about it. Right. You know, I mean, one of the things that I and I still do this to this day is I read our reviews. You know, I try to stay connected to what the customers what their perceptions are. Um, it was one of the it was the review that got my attention and then I started digging and it's like, you know, like most things when you start digging, it's like, oh, gosh, and you like, oh, well, why do we do that? Why do we do this? And so anyway. All right. Number one, I think this is really important. You know, I, we, we've said this in the past and I'll say it again, you know, the business, your businesses are nothing more than a reflection of the owner. You know, at the end of the day, when you think about why do I want to do business? Sometimes people get blinders on and they think it's to make all the money in the world. And it's fantastic. But I don't know, at least for me personally, and this is a philosophical thing. And so it's Donnie's number one. It may not be your number one, but Donnie's number one of when it's time to hire a manager is when you cannot get out to play. You know, business is one of those things. It's the most I think it's it's a fantastic career I think it's a fantastic opportunity when you can own your own business and it's a great way to, you know, make a lot of money and make yourself wealthy. I don't know for me personally, if I can't get out and enjoy it, you know, we only have so much time on this earth. There's only so much time in life. If you spend all of your time at work um, because you have to, or, you know, and you can't get out and play, you know, that's a problem. Now, if you choose to do that and you find enjoyment in that, there's nothing wrong with that. I enjoy working as well but you know i think the number one thing is when people feel like it's taken away their freedom you're doing it wrong right when when the business is controlling you it's you're doing it wrong and so that to me is like you know when i first went into business i thought that hey man i'm gonna i'm gonna have a company it's gonna make three to four hundred thousand dollars a year i won't have to work for a boss you know, I thought that was why I went into business. As I've gotten older, of course, I value that, right? As I've gotten older, I think probably the number one thing I appreciate most about owning a business is my freedom and my ability to get out and go play. And not to say that, you know, I mean, some now, people... Now picture but, picture uh, what, what Donnie does to play. I was down visiting him a couple of weeks ago and he showed <laughs> me a new piece of land that he bought. And this pretty, pretty big piece of land. And, and he was telling me, uh, you know, how he actually takes the tractor and cuts the land. <laughs> to me, that is just work. Like that that's not play. So then he began to tell me about all the ATVs and everybody knows yes. planes and stuff. But but mowing the lawn with the tractor and, and it may seem, you know, I, I have a friend who has a farm and he that's his <laughs> thing. But to me, you know, when I get done working, I'm done working. I don't want to milk the cows, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, it is true and, and guilty as charged and he is correct. But I mean, the point here is, is that, again, as an owner, you want to be constantly filling your mind with different experiences, different thoughts, different ideas. 
And it's really hard to do that if you're constantly under pressure. And I'm not saying, you know, when you first start your business that, you know, there's going to be, there is that. And that's just, you know, that's just part of it. So you get to a million, you know, unless you're going to decide to be small, like what Dan said, when you're building to a million, it's, it's, it's rough, right? I mean, it's, you're, you're busy and you're, you're the guy that's drilling a house. You're the guy that's treating a house. You're the guy dealing with customer complaints. You're the guy doing the accounting. You're the guy, I mean, just, you're the guy or the gal, right? And it's hard to play, but you have to remember and keep that in sight is that, you know, at the end of the day, you only got so much time on this earth. And if your business becomes this huge, you know, weight around your neck and you're not enjoying life, either you need to get a new manager or you need to rethink your priorities. I, I remember years ago when I was just going crazy and I'd come home and I'd be complaining. And my wife, Emily, would look at me and she goes, well, one day, Donnie, you know, you'll be able to hire people and you, you won't have to do that. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> and, and not to say that I don't work hard now because I do and I don't deal with things that I probably shouldn't because I do. But the fact is, is that I have, if I wanted to go out and play, I could, but it's nice to have that option and it's nice to have that choice. And, and if you don't have that option, you don't have that choice. That's time that you really need to take a good look at your business and say, wait a minute, I need to, I need to step back here for a moment. Maybe it's time to take a step back so I can take a step forward. So, all righty, Dan, we didn't get into any of these other things that we we're going to talk about in terms of gross margin and contribution margin. And maybe we'll just save that for our next podcast. But um, ladies and gentlemen, you managed to do it again. You spent some time with Dan and I. Dan, any closing thoughts, remarks before we finish out here on when it's time to hire a manager? Yeah, just just remember um, when you're uncomfortable is the time sometimes that you make the best decisions, as long as you uh, are thoughtful about it, right? So the question is, geez, can I take a pay cut of a certain amount of money to bring this guy in? Or can I afford him? Or this is one that I'm, you know, I don't recommend to everybody, but you may go in debt to hire this manager because you have family obligations financially. And, and so, you know, bringing this guy in or this gal in, um, you know, you may have to figure out how to finance it. And then, you know, it becomes a liability to, to pay back the bank or whatever. But um, again, you either stay small or get big. If you stay small, just remember the pot at the uh, end of the rainbow is not that great. So if you're using this as a, um, you know, a, a retirement mechanism, you need to get bigger. And so that, that there's money at the end. Or take that money that you're making. And like you said earlier, start buying some real estate, start buying something that's going to put money in your pocket. But um, fantastic thoughts there, Dan. And, and, and I could not agree more. And with that, folks, we're going to end it out. Um, like I said, if you like this episode or any other episodes, please go online, rate and review us. We very much appreciate that. And with that, we're signing off. We'll see you all next time. Take care.